Are you concerned about hitting your revenue targets this month, quarter, or year? Your answer is Value Prime Solutions, a sales training and marketing optimization company leveraging the value selling framework. Visit www.valueprimesolutions.com and start accelerating your results. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. For those that don't have time to listen to the entire episode, as always, Feel free to check us out at b2brevexec.com or, of course, on iTunes, where review is always appreciated. Today, we have with us Mark Kozaglow, VP of Sales with Outreach.io. Now, any of our listeners who work with me or anybody who's been in classes uh, know I'm a huge fan of what Outreach is doing. Uh, so it should be no surprise. I'm a little more excited than normal to talk to Mark. So, Mark, I want to first thank you very much for taking the time and welcome you to the show. Thanks, man. What up? <laughs> so when we start these conversations, we like to try and do our best to kind of front load some of the value for our listeners. Uh, and I like to ask our guests, you know, if you look back over your career, was there a defining moment or, or something that happened that, you know, gave you a lesson that you continue to refer to and go back to uh, day in and day out? And if so, what was that and how did it affect your kind of career trajectory. Well, Chad, I was uh, thinking about this after you sent me the note earlier this morning or late last night, and um, I have three stories. So I can give you three in two minutes, or I can give you <laughs> one in two minutes. So you get to pick. <laughs> Let's go with three. Let's see what happens. All right, cool. First one was uh, I was selling to schools, and, you know, we've all had kids or been those kids ourselves that sold candy bars, and if you sold 10 candy bars, you got this little widget, and if you sold 20 candy bars, you got that little widget, and I was the guy that organized all that and helped schools raise money for field trips and playgrounds and things like that. And uh, the little widgets, the little prizes that you'd get was part of uh, the plan of like, hey, I'm going to go do a bunch of stuff and uh, I'm going to get all these different toys and things. And I'm going to let the people that run the fundraisers at the school pick what they want. And so I created this point system like you could buy this many for this point and this and all this kind of stuff to help them kind of customize it so that because they know their kids better than I do. Right. It was a complete disaster. And I learned in that moment that the more complex you make the sale, the less success you're going to have. And that's why, you know, I like to present one choice at a time because humans suck at making decisions. <laughs> that's the first one. The second one was um, I had an awesome mentor named Renee Uyoa who showed me exactly how to do that business. And one summer at a, a national sales meeting, he took some time and I visited him at his home and he's so gracious and uh, he taught me everything I needed to know. Well, of course, my first year, I took everything he showed me and I said, I can do this better <laughs> and I did it worse. <laughs> and so I went back and did it the exact way he showed it to me and I got the results that he got as like one of our, one of our top sales reps at the company. And it taught me this phrase that I use with my people all the time is, why would I chisel a tire out of the rock in front of me when there's one on the rack right next door? <laughs> and so like, just use what people already do. Don't make it up yourself because you'll screw it up because you, you don't know enough to make it better yet. You know what I mean? Right. And then the last one is, uh, you know, as I became a uh, you know, sales leader, I uh, was got an email from a guy that was moaning and complaining about an initiative that I was running, which, you know, glad now as a leader, I'm glad for that kind of feedback. But as a young leader, 
I was pissed because this guy was always <laughs> complaining and always moaning, right? And like, I thought every, all my crap was hot. So, like, why are you doing this and giving me this feedback? And I uh, wrote an email to my my boss, the VP of sales, and I said, hey, you know, what do I need to do? This guy's a whiner. You know, I'm tired of it, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? I didn't hit forward. I hit reply. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I had typed in my boss's email address at the top, obviously. And he is like, Mark, did you mean to send this to Mike? And I was like, no, I sure did not. And so (laughs) I had to have that hard conversation. And in that conversation, that rep, who was a a great guy, showed me how uh, a piece of junk manager I was. And so I went back to school, hit the books hard. And, you know, um, that helped me become a greater manager. So those are three stories of like three transitions in my career that really, you know, I used to this day to be successful or at least try to be. Excellent. Excellent. Those are great. Thank you. So for our, our listeners who don't know a lot about outreach, um, how about a little background on kind of what the company does in your role there? Yeah. So it's very simple is um, there's this unfulfilled promise of CRM uh, that can be labeled with a single phrase system of record. And that's where like all this data should go and salespeople should use it to put all this data in so you can get all these insights out to help you run the business better. But unfortunately, what's happened is is uh, CRMs have not made good on these promises because it's just not a place where a rep can do action. So outreach is a system of action. It lays on top of the system of record, on top of Salesforce or whatever CRM you use that feeds it all of this data so that you can make great insights, but is a great place for a rep to act. So they can you know, make their emails, make their phone calls. They can set up their sales processes. They can see what's going on with their pipeline. They can do all of these things on top of Salesforce that allows the system of record to still be a great place for leaders to get insights and to pull the reports that you need, but that the rep can act and kind of see how they're doing specifically with their kind of outreach and their prospecting and their pipeline management so that they can get better results. You know, think of it like kind of your sales assistant. So if every time I called you, Chad, and you didn't either pick up or you kind of like blew me off or we, had, we didn't come to a conclusion in the conversation to schedule the next steps, that that assistant will come into the conversation and email and call you until we got those next steps ironed out. That's kind of what outreach does on the back end. It, is it, it automates things as a system of action where your rep can, can do the things that they need to do to win. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing tool. And like I said, you know, you and I, I mentioned before we started recording, it's one that I have referred clients towards many times, uh, because that it allows, um, it allows action at scale as well. Right. And becomes a great memory tool. Uh, you don't have to remember, Oh, did I send that email to that guy three days ago, oh, four days ago? Yeah. I'm not smart enough to remember that crap. I, I remember <laughs> I found that out a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's funny. uh, I read this book called Getting Things Done by David Allen, and he makes this awesome point that the brain is meant to have ideas, not to hold them. And most of those people, unfortunately, their brain is clogged with all the things they're remembering to do. So they're not having these ideas that help them get through the decision makers and get the deals done and overcome the problem in their in their sales cycles. So outreach can like help you with that. You don't have to remember stuff as much so that you can just have awesome ideas that help you get more money. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it that attracted you to outreach you know, two, over two years ago when you landed there? Yeah, so I was running a sales team of about 10 or 12 inside people and 10 or 12 field sales reps. And I was meeting with one of my field sales reps in a Hampton Inn in Northern Virginia. And we had rented a conference room and I drew on a whiteboard a series of touch points that happened at a specific tempo in order to get more meetings for this rep. And uh, so when I did that, 
it kind of dawned on me, like, this is how I've always worked, but like most people can't like keep up with the process. And so I started going out and looking for a tool that could not only tell me if my emails were effective, but could manage this kind of multi-step, multi-channeled process that I know it takes to win. And so I found outreach and I started talking to the CEO and he and I kind of became buddies and we started having long conversations into the night. And so one day I went to my wife and I said, hey, listen, this is the future of sales. Like I can get every rep on my team to work the way that I know it takes to work to win. And if the way I think is wrong, I can, you know, stick and move to get to the one the way that does win. And, you know, my wife, you know, bless her heart. She's awesome. She's like, go for it. I got four kids. So that was no small decision. And <laughs> wow. Went, you know, went on a hundred percent commission and, uh, blew it out. You know, it just, uh, it caught on like wildfire and, you know, I had a compelling story to tell as a individual contributor and as a leader. And, uh, you know, we just kind of cranked it out until we got enough money to hire some real sales reps. <laughs> <laughs> I understand how that works. So when we were preparing for the interview, uh, there were some focal points that you passed over, right? And there was one or actually a couple that stuck out to me. And I'd really like to unpack kind of that perspective that, that the reps, revenue executives shouldn't allow their reps to select the accounts they prospect into or, or that they put into the CRM. I was wondering if you could kind of unpack that a little bit for me. Yeah, so there's kind of two types of general buckets of, of sales shops now. There's the end-to-end, -end, which is more traditional, what I grew up in, probably what you grew up in, where, you know, you do your own prospecting, you know, you hunt it down, and you kill it, and you eat what you kill. And so, um, you know, that type of person uh, is very busy. And I guarantee you the last thing that they're thinking about is how do I get a high-quality account into my pipeline? What they're thinking about is how do I get anything into my pipeline, <laughs> right. right? And then there's the new school shop, which has a division of labor or specialization of roles, which has like an SDR function or a function ahead of the closer that is booking them with meetings that is typically an entry-level sales position. So the question that I asked myself when we started creating outreach was, do I want entry-level salespeople and or people that are full-cycle sales reps that are super busy determining the future of the company? And if you, what is more important than the accounts that enter in your pipeline? Really nothing. You know, and those accounts determine whether they're going to renew. They determine how so, the, big the contract's going to be, how difficult the sales cycle is going to be. You know, what is the size of the prize? Like all of that is determined by what you put in, you know, inputs, uh, equal outputs, garbage in, garbage out. Right. And most of the companies I've worked for, garbage always went in. And so it was kind of garbage out. And so what we decided is we put processes in place and invested in operations and have an awesome director of sales ops that's just, you know, the man. And we developed a way to like mine accounts out of LinkedIn, enrich them with data, and then, you know, tear them out. And that allows us to put only quality stuff into the very top of the funnel for our sales reps so that they can only go after accounts that we know are great accounts that we want to do business with. And so do you have your team set up so that the ops puts the, the quality in, uh, and then you have people that are going out and using tools like outreach to, to, you know, get those meetings and push them through the funnel. Do you have the traditional, you know, each kill or do you have, how, how do you have it broken up? I guess I should say. Yeah. Our cell, we're, um, of a specialization of roles type of shops. So we have okay. an SDR function and they get fed accounts by sales ops. And here's the other thing is, is, Sales reps would always tell me, I need more accounts, I need more accounts. You don't need more accounts. You need to have better messaging, all right? If I give you 600 accounts that are pre-vetted, 
enriched. I understand the tiering of them. I know exactly that they should be customers of mine. They're just not yet. Then it's your job. I'm paying you to figure out how to get me those 600 customers. I'm not paying you to give you 200 new accounts every month because your messaging so jacked up and your process is so jacked up you can't get into them. Right. And so that's what we do. We give them high quality and then we give them a great tool and outreach. We give them great data with Zoom info and we say, go, go do it. So if you got a machine, if you got an engine like outreach, you got great fuel, which is great contact data and great accounts. Then all you have to do is have great conversations, which only a person can do. And so we let all the automation and all the data tools do everything uh, up front so that our people can have great conversations every day to move deals into our pipeline. Excellent. Excellent. One of the other things that you mentioned uh, was the need for a standardized process. And you mentioned that, you know, train on the art of art of prospecting and rely on the science of the automation, right? I'm, I'm kind of curious how you arrived at that. Where did that come from? And if you can give me an example of where this is, you know, it really kind of cemented as the right approach for you. Yeah. So uh, again, you know, everything's kind of born out of my experience and my headaches uh, as a seller, you know, <laughs> and listen, every, person in the world, I believe, can be a decent prospector because it's uh, it's mundane, mechanical, robotic monkey work. <laughs> like, you know, I see, see the account. Here's the three people I should call an account. I'm going to call each of them. Then I'm going to send each of them an email. I'm going to wait a day. Then I'm going to collect them. I'm going to go connect with them on LinkedIn. Then I'm going to wait two days and I'm going to call them again. Like it's just rinse and repeat over and over and over again. And so that's the science part. It's the mechanical part. Like you have to have machines do that if you want to keep pace with the companies that are that have machines doing that. Like, you know, I can look at other people in my industry that don't use uh, a tool like ours and like they cannot outwork me. And right. like that was always one of my special sauces as a, as a sales rep. Like nobody outworked me. My dad taught me how to work hard from a young boy. And like I still I teach my kids to work hard. And but but now some punk that's 22 years old right out of college <laughs> can outwork me with with the help of a machine. And so that's when he decided, you know what, like we have to build as much of the science or that mechanical robotic part of sales into the, the tool, into the machine of outreach, into that sales engagement platform so that we can free people up to do what only humans can do, which is have great engaging conversations, build trust and relationships, offer solutions, and then convince people that why those solutions will work for them. You know, only a seller can do that. Only a great seller can do that. But the mechanical part, the machine can take care of with the guidance of a human. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, we also um, kind of email back and forth on time blocking. Now, I'm a big, big fan of this. I'm amazed at how many people still don't do it, even with the help of all of the automation and the science that's out there. You would think that would become kind of a secondary, you know, just part of the DNA. I mean, you have the tools which help reinforce that, and not a lot of people do it. So I'm just kind of curious how, you know, do you have customers that when you work with your customers or clients, how do you help them understand the importance of that and best practices for, you know, making sure that's part of the, the DNA of their sales approach. It's very difficult to help um, the rep level uh, become that type of a worker when the leadership isn't completely in tune with how it works. And so, and they're not bought into that system. So typically what we do is in, inside our tool, we're lucky. We actually have uh, each hour of the day as a block on a heat map. And then we can show you when your people are making most of their phone calls and when most of your connects are happening. And so it's really easy to look at those two charts, one over top of the other, and see your people make tend to make a lot of phone calls in time blocks or in hours of the day when people don't answer the phone. 
And so, like, I don't know if it's, like, some kind of subconscious thing that sellers have to deal with, like, with fear of the phone. And so they, like, their brain makes them call, you know, between 11 and 12, you know, which is the worst time of day to call, you know. But when you start to show them, like, listen, this is where your effort is, but here's where your payoff is. It's easier to align to say, you know what, guys, everybody needs to make calls from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. and from 3.30 to 5 or whatever blocks of time work best because our connect rates are twice as high then. Twice as many people will pick up the phone if we call during those times. And so that means you could book twice as many meetings. And, you know, that means you're going to get paid twice as much commission. (laughs) So that's what it comes down to is, is, you know, you have to make the connection to the leader to understand the inefficiencies of how they're working and then to give them like a very simple, like five minute pep talk tweet that their sales that will motivate their sales team to work in a new way. And so, you know. That, that's one way that we do it, but we have a great tool that like makes it available to have that conversation. So when you have your teams, um, you know, you got your, your cadences or your tempo outline and outreach and it's, you know, email, call, call, whatever that may be. The tools that are there are phenomenal for helping do that. I'm curious with your own teams, how you help them uh, when they make that connection. Like how do you help them or inspire them or give them a structure for having those great conversations? So do you mean how do we structure our sequences so that uh, we get the conversations or how do we train them to have great conversations once they get somebody on the phone or set a meeting? Yeah, once yeah, the latter, once they get them on the phone, how do you train them to have a great conversation? Because that I mean, that's a little bit more towards the art side of it, right? Yeah, well, I'm really lucky. You know, our uh, we're a sales company that sells a sales software to salespeople, right? Like if, <laughs> right. You know, if my team can't execute on a very high, like top 1% level, then like really what am I selling, right? You know, and so uh, my company, uh, our CEO, Manny Medina, uh, and my boss, Matt um, Millen, invested in our team by giving us a director of field readiness uh, very early on. And, and uh, his name is Jerry Farr. And Jerry's sole job is to help us have better conversations and understand where we need to train people to have better conversations. So the first part is, is we have to decide what great looks like. So we find out what great looks like, and then we show our people what great looks like. Then we show them this is the area of the sales cycle where great can help you out the most. And so now we've got like, um, you know, a, a picture of what great looks like. We have, we're able to quantify what an improvement in a specific area of the sales cycle will garner. And then we just set up like, you know, the right kind of training uh, tempo and the right kind of, you know, feedback loops to help people like make that behavioral change. Because, you know, most salespeople confuse success with comfort. Meaning if they're comfortable doing something, they think it works. And that's, you know, that's not the case, right? Those things are mutually exclusive. And so what you have to do is you have to get salespeople to understand, like, just because you think it works doesn't mean it does work. So let's show you what does work. Let's show you the improvement that you can get so you can get over that pain threshold of making a behavioral change. Excellent. So the, it's odd to hear about the investment in director of, of readiness so early. I mean, outreach is growing. I'm, from what I've seen growing very aggressively. How do you work with that director of sales enablement and readiness? So like, you know, guys get together weekly and talking about what's working or not. Like how much do you use your own tools in terms of, you know, eating your own dog food to come up with 
this is all right. This is the next evolution of how we have to prep our people. Um, it depends on like kind of what part, like we use a lot of Salesforce reports to determine like where leakage is happening in the funnel and in the pipeline. Right. And so once we identify an area like, oh, our discovery calls are only converting at 35%, we think we could get that up to 42% if we really put some effort in there. And that's, and the downstream effect of that is X millions of dollars extra a year, right? So then what we would do is once we de- define a link and, and, or a leak and see the cha- what the change could bring about, then we work together. Like typically what I'll do is I'll say, hey, this is how I think about handling it. He'll go out and do the research and give me like a best practice and kind of meld it in with my style. Then we like review it together and we have what we call a sales excellence advisory panel seat. And then we have three or four of our best reps review that, make sure it's presentable for the rest of the team. And then we roll that out to the rest of the team. So that's kind of like the process of how we work. But during the, hey, we're going to launch something and let's work it out. And then until the first measurement cycle, like we don't communicate a lot after that. Like he's doing his job. I trust him. He's world class. I don't need to like meddle in how he's doing his trainings. All I need to know is like, what do we decide on and agree on would work best? And how is it moving the needle, if, if at all? And then what changes do we need to make, if any? And so th- that's kind of how we work is like we set uh, he and I set the ball in motion together. Then he rolls with it until it's time for us to take a measurement to see how things are going. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So when, when you look at, you know, so kind of going to pivot here a little bit and focus more on kind of what you are focused on with, with your teams, when you look at kind of the second half of 2017, you know, what is the top business objective you're, you're aiming at with your teams? So, um, Chad, my reaction and your reaction to outreach I'm guessing is similar. Like my initial reaction was like, holy smokes. Yeah, yeah, very much so. (laughs) Yeah. This change is like, it is jaw dropping. Like, okay, we're five minutes in, but like, I don't need to hear anymore. Like, what do I need to do to get my hands on this? And oddly enough, like, I don't feel like we get that reaction enough in our discovery. And I don't know if we're, we're not connecting pain. I don't know. You know, we're trying to figure out exactly why it is. Maybe it's just the, you know, people are jaded to the sales experience and they're just not willing to give that type, type of reaction. I'm not sure. But like my one of the main things I'm working on right now is I, want, I think everybody should leave a discovery initial conversation with outreach being like, oh, my gosh, like get me in now. And let me see if this works for me as good as they say it does, right? Yeah, it's an amazing tool. I'm really kind of surprised. That's an interesting challenge. It's one that, that kind of surprises me a little bit because it is, I mean, anybody who's carried a bag and who's had the prospecting in their DNA and, and wants, you know, you're driven to do sales, that tool, I mean, it freed up so much of my time, like you said earlier, to have just great conversations. So I'm curious, uh, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm a bit surprised that that's the reaction you're, you're getting. You know, I think there's a lot of fear, you know, FUD, fear, uncertainty, doubt out in the market about, you know, giving too much control over to automation. And that's why, you know, you, if you have a great tool, it's wide and deep, meaning like you can use it for everything from complete automation, where literally your sales team doesn't even know they're using it, to complete personalization, where your sales team is crafting every single message. You can use it all along that spectrum, but it has to go deep. Like it has to adjust to the sales process and then it has to like cover every use case that a sales organization has inside that process. 
And so I, I don't know if it's because they like in the past, um, the tools have been so narrow and so shallow that like they don't really make a difference. I don't know if it's because of that unfulfilled promise we talked about earlier with CRM. You know, uh, they, they feel like Salesforce should be doing that for them and, and it's not. So why would this tool work? <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of. Well, no, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I actually, I just had a conversation yesterday with a coworker. I have a different setup than they do just based on the way that we're structured. And we were talking about Salesforce and I said, you know, look, Salesforce is great. If you're running a, you know, global enterprise and you need some place to put all the info, but it, but it's not actionable, as you said, in my opinion. And sometimes it can be a little clunky. Uh, UX isn't, you know, as streamlined as it should yeah. be. Uh, but that unfulfilled promise, you know, is I think yeah, I mean, maybe onto something there. I mean, that's a that's a that's definitely a big one. So when yeah. you when you look back over, okay, so we just looked at you know kind of what you're wrestling with for the next six months, twelve months. When you look back over the last year, you know, what are you most proud of your team, you know, stepping up and doing, or the evolution that they've gone through? You know, what what is it that you're the most proud of uh, for them achieving? Well, we've tripled our team in the last, uh, actually, probably quadrupled our team now in the last year uh, with our last class. And for me, what's most important is um, I don't think I'm the smartest cat in the room and half the stuff I've learned, somebody like beat it into my head or some rep showed it to me and like I stole it. Right. Right. That's like, (laughs) you know, I haven't had that many original thoughts in my life. And so, and so for me, what's really important is as we grow out and uh, continue the momentum of success that we have is for us to feel like that, when we come into a meeting or we have a discussion with a peer or another leader or whatever, that like we all have this hat on that says my job is to contribute to the conversation and to make things better and not to slough off, not to just go into my corner and do my thing, but to have like everybody giving feedback, everybody understanding that like not every idea is smart and just having this camaraderie where like I can go to like one of my best reps are Brian Gerard, a Pleasant Rich, a Darren Glennie, and Nate Yoakum. And I can go to those guys and say to them, hey, I'm having this problem. Like, take a week to think about it and tell me how you would solve it. And then I can do that with two people. We come together, you know, and like I always say, like, we trumps me, right? We working together will always trump me. It'll always beat me. So don't let me be out there. Like, let's be we. And that's the main thing that like, that's what I'm most proud of is I I feel like we're all connected and, you know, I would say we're like a family, but you know, uh, I think that that term is overused. Your family is your family. Like, you know, your kids and your wife, it needs, it's a hollow term. You can't have like your basketball team family and your work family. Like how many family, a guy can only have one family. (laughs) Most of us are screwing that up. Right. (laughs) But like, I, I do want, I do want, to have a feeling of camaraderie and like the dude in the trench next to me is firing at the enemy's head because he wants me to live. You know what I mean? That's the kind of, and so I'm proud that we've been able to maintain that as we've grown out. Yeah. The sales culture is, is critical. So I'm glad to hear that that's uh, a place you guys are focusing. I've seen some companies where, you know, they still burn and churn. They look at the sales team as, as disposable, which is unfortunate, right? Especially as, as technology kind of, continues to great, you know, blur the lines between what a sales rep should be doing, what the tech should be doing. Having those great conversations becomes even more valuable. So having that camaraderie to be able to self-analyze and provide candid feedback in a, you know, in a way that's not going to piss somebody off. I mean, that's a, that's a powerful uh, culture. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm not, I, like I said, I'm not smart enough to figure it all out on my own, nor do I want to. 
I just want to win. That's all I want to do. <laughs> Help me win. <laughs> right. So when you when you look, you know, into the future, you know, there's all these sales trends that are going on. AI, obviously, there still seems that blows my mind. Still seems to be this debate about is cold calling dead or not, or you've got some saying social selling is the answer. I'm kind of curious what what trends are you most interested in seeing play out, and are there any that you you know are focused on enough that you're actually doing prep, you know, preparing for them? Yeah. So. Um I think that following trends is dangerous and maybe this is the old school guy in me and the, you know, resistance to change. Well, the way that I like to look at it is, is sales is like, um, especially getting meetings and uh, managing your communication is like a three legged stool. Uh, you have to be great at phone calls. You have to be great at email and you have to be great at social touches. If you're not great at all three, then you're, you're going to fall off the stool. And so what happens is, is people all run to the phone because cold calling is, uh, you know, the new hot thing. Right. And so, you know, then everybody's calling. And well, when everybody starts calling, like the social channels start to open up because they're not as crowded. So everybody runs the social. Then everybody runs the email. And it's this pendulum constantly swinging between these three points. And for me, rather than ride the pendulum and either trailing it or if I'm lucky enough to be ahead of it or whatever, I'd just rather be like kick ass at all three all the time. And then I don't have to worry about where the pendulum is. You know, right now we book, I think I last talked to my director of sales development, who's a complete stud, Steve Ross. He he said that um, I think 55% of our meetings are booked on the phone, 45%, 40% are booked via email, and 5% are booked like social. So, you know, that's how, you know, we're all cold outbound here. That's no inbound. That's just like cold outbound, never heard of us type of meetings book. But uh, that's the, that's the, what we're seeing right now. But again, like I want that 5%, so I'm not going to quit doing uh, the social stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's that, it's the building of that cadence. It's the, it's the use of all the tools in front of, you know, in front of somebody. I can understand seeing, you know, not wanting to follow the trends without a doubt. I'm asking, I've seen it with teams that I've run. There's this, this desire and I don't know where it comes from, quite frankly, because I didn't learn it growing up. But sales is never meant to be easy. Right? It's not. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason there's a risk reward on the compensation side, right? It's it's a contact sport a lot of times. Like you got to really be focused on it. So those, when I see reps kind of jump on the quickest trend and just focus on that, that becomes kind of a warning flag for me. I'm curious how you work with your guy, how, how you build that into your process and work with your teams to avoid that to to get them focused on a consistent multifaceted approach to prospecting. Is it something you find that you've weeded out in your teams, you know, based on how you're hiring or how you're training them? Or is it, is it a constant battle? It's not a battle at all, quite honestly. Like that's what our tool does is we only make available to them the way that we want them to work. So that's the only way they can work. <laughs> if, if, if they, you know, if they work outside the system, like we've had a few people like go like try their own thing. They're so much less productive than somebody that's in the system that they immediately self-correct. And so, you know, like part of what we hire for is like, can you and are you willing to work the system every day? Because our system is very predictable. You know, I mean, I know if I put 100 people into this sequence of and series of touch points over three weeks, that, you know, 23% of those people are going to reply to me. 30% of those people are going to be uh, positive replies. So I'm going to get six or seven meetings out of every 100 people I put in there uh, over a three-week period. So my motivation every day should be, how can I get another 100 people in here? Right. So I can have a person, 
you know, putting more people into the system to get these predictable outcomes that we know will happen, or I can have somebody that's just trying to figure everything out. And I, that's what I call the black box of sales. That person has no idea what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. There's just some inputs that happen. And then there's these magical outputs that (laughs) pop out the end. And when you're like that, guess what? Like, you don't know what you're doing right. You don't know what you're doing wrong. And so you can't like get better and you can't continue to do the good things that you do. And so versus ours is all the gears of the box are visible. You can look in the black box. You can see how everything works. You can completely understand everything. And so if something's broken, it's very simple to determine what the, uh, you know, what the cause is. It's either the inputs suck or the conversation sucks at the very end, right? But everything in the middle is always the same. So right. I can cut out like figuring that out. I can cut out managing that. And so, you know, that's once people see the power of that. And sometimes, you know, we have to beat people into submission for the first couple months they're here. Right? <laughs> but once they see it, like all of them come back and they're like, you know what? Like that was stupid. I wasted my first two months trying to do it my way when like if I just do the system, it works. So excellent. Okay. Well, let's change the direction a little bit. We ask, you know, towards the end of every interview, we ask kind of two standard questions. And the first is simply, I mean, you are a revenue executive, right? Which I guess makes you a prospect for other sales professionals. And and in that position, uh, I'm always interested to hear kind of how someone that you don't have a, a relationship with today that you don't know, how would they get your attention and build credibility in a way that would, um, you know, inspire you to want to engage with them? I'll tell you one thing that doesn't work. If you try to tell me that, hey, I went to Penn State University. Great to see that you're playing the Buckeyes. I'll delete that crap right then and there. (laughs) I don't give a, you know, I don't care that you could look on LinkedIn and see where I went to college. Uh, You know, this is what I want to know. An email or a voicemail or a social connection that says simply this. I see your VP of sales. These are the three uh, problems that we help uh, VPs of sales solve. Would you be interested in seeing how we solve them? If I relate to any one of those three issues, I will take the meeting every time. It's like that simple. It, that is that is a very simple approach. I'm curious, you know, you've got to be reached out to quite a bit. How often do you actually see it that simple? Uh, every once in a while. Like I, I have a couple guys that are, are really good and, you know, they'll come in and, you know, like the guys from Zoom Info, you know, they're, they're our data provider, but they, the way they sold me was, I thought, really, really effective, really uh, masterful, honestly. And, you know, he came in, he's like, these are the three problems. You're not getting enough phone dials connect. Yep. Not doing that. Your reps are frustrated because they're dialing all the time and not ca- talking to people. Yep. That's me. And, you know, you, you need more meetings from your phone call time because you're spending so much time on the phone. Thank you very much. Meeting tomorrow. Let's do it. And then they came <laughs> in and showed me how to do it, you know? So that, that's like, you know, there's not many people out there doing it. Uh, most of them are doing, you know, some kind of long email that, you know, I don't read more than a quarter of, you know, it's just, um, you know, now here's the, the difference though, Chad, is like, if you have visibility into how your process works and you, you can track, like I'm reaching out to this industry and this persona or this market segment and this persona, then you can start to see like this messaging works with this industry, but not this other one. And this, you know, other messaging works with this persona in that industry, but not this other one in that same industry. And you can really start to get granular in how you attack things because you can see exactly what works. And so, you know, uh, that's kind of what we've defaulted to. But for me personally, like 
I don't see very many people do it very well. And that's not a dig. It's just, you know, sales is a hard job, like you said. And somebody probably showed them the wrong way to do it in the beginning. Right. right. Okay. So last question we ask, we call it our acceleration insight. So if there's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, or professional services people, one piece of advice that, you know, you'd kind of go down as being known for that would help them hit their targets, blow out their numbers, and be more successful, what would it be and why? Yeah. The number one characteristic I hire for, Chad, is curiosity. Like if you in a sales call are talking to me and you just seem curious, I am pulled into your web. And I think that that's how most people are. And the reason is because it's very simple is curiosity is the antidote for selfishness. And selfishness uh, doesn't allow you to create trust, and it makes the conversation one-sided. The minute you become curious, what you start to do is you start to get the focus off of you and onto the person you're talking to. Like if we went through your career and I started asking, well, why did you decide to take that job as your second job? Like what did your manager do? How did they get you? You're going to be immediately drawn into the conversation. You're going to trust more, and you're going to release more information. And it's nothing more than me. I don't care where the conversation is going. I'm not trying to lead it in any direction. Uh, all I'm in is I'm just curious as to like how your brain works. What do you think? What What was your reaction to these things? How do you feel pain in that situation, or how do you how do you not feel pain? And so, to me, like curiosity is the key to sales. If you can be curious, then that unlocks all of the information you need to do what you need to do to close a deal. Excellent. Yeah, I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. It, it is one probably the only thing I've ever seen overcome that that default setting of, hey, I want to run in the door and tell you about this cool thing that I do without ever taking the time to understand the other person's perspective. You know, what you're doing may not be what they're looking for or it may not be a problem that they're experiencing right now. Curiosity, that's a great one. Thank you very much for that. That was was great. All right, everybody. So that does it for this episode of the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. Uh, Again, please check us out at b2brevexec.com for the blog post. This interview will be up there as well. Uh, access to everyone else that we've interviewed and, and others that are coming up here in the near future. Mark, I can't thank you enough for the time today. This has been an extreme pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chad. Appreciate it. Oh, no worries. Again, thanks to everybody for listening and to Mark for the valuable insights. Until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you and your team nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.